0: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Content and Caffeine. I'm your host, Kai Ismail, and on this episode, I was joined by the COO and co-founder of Cosmic JS, Carson Gibbons. Carson Gibbons really gave me some insights and a look under the hood, really, of Cosmic JS's content marketing strategy for the last couple of years, and more specifically over the last year or so. Um, They're having a great 2019. If you're not aware, they secured investing and backing from Y Combinator. They were mentioned a good few times on TechCrunch. So they've got some some time in the limelight right now. So I thought it was a great time to sit down with Carson and just talk about how they've handled their content marketing strategy recently, especially when it comes to blogging, uh, social media, what what they're focusing on, the the platforms they're focusing on, case studies, how they put them together and and get them out there, how they handle documentation, how they handle their uh, online community, offline community, all this kind of stuff. It was great to chat about these you know different topics uh, in a relatively short space of time, uh, and yeah, I, thought, I think we were able to go quite deep. So I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Wordify, my company. Wordify is a content marketing agency for SaaS and software vendors, and you can find out more about us by heading to Wordify. That's W-O-R-D-I-F-Y. Dot C-O. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Content and Caffeine. Today I'm joined by Carson Gibbons, the co-founder and COO of Cosmic JS, which is a cloud-based API-first CMS. Carson, thanks very much for joining me.
1: Kaya, thanks for having me, really excited to be here.
0: No problem at all, no problem. So if we were having this uh, conversation in a coffee shop, uh, if we weren't sort of separated by the Atlantic Ocean, um, what would we be ordering right now? I know what I'd be ordering, but what would your coffee be?
1: Well, I hope that we're at the same place, but I'm probably at a Starbucks ordering a mocha. (laughs) I'm uh, a big sucker for for Starbucks coffee. (laughs) Um, Even at home, I'm sipping on some Starbucks K-Cups with hazelnut flavoring. So that's where I always lean towards.
0: Okay, so you're you're a fast copy kind of guy. Fair enough. I've got, I've got, love, in, I've got love in my heart for, for, for Starbucks, so fair enough. That's cool. Okay, so let's let's jump straight into um, Cosmic JS and where you guys started. Where you guys where you guys come from um, as a co-founder. Maybe you can give us an, an overview of the the Cosmic JS story.
1: Absolutely. So Cosmic JS was was born out of the pain points of myself and my co-founder uh, during our days at a digital agency in Dallas, Texas. So from 2014 to 2016, I ran accounts and client strategy for a boutique digital agency, and I was working with a head of the development team named Tony Spyro, who was managing all of the front-end back-end developers. And basically, we were selling, you know, custom installed content management system websites, uh, websites that were built off of Joomla, Drupal, um, all of those different installed CMS systems. And we built about three million dollars worth of websites and applications during our two years as colleagues together and really just started to reinvent the wheel. And so my co-founder, who is our CEO and technical lead, Tony Spyro, he started the side project in Cosmic.js kind of based out of these pain points that we were experiencing during the day. So by 2016, he had a thousand users built into a private beta that were saying, hey, we would totally use this for our production applications. So we went and incorporated in May of 2016 and opened a payment gateway later that year in late 2016 and we've been iterating for larger and larger customers ever since. So what our value proposition is is we replace or extend your installed content management system. We also provide a content management system where there generally wasn't one prior. Maybe there was a developer just Simply updating source code for a content creator's copy changes. And that was a very inefficient system. So we now have hundreds of customers all over the world that are managing content with a web based dashboard and a suite of API tools and resources to integrate content with any website or application. Uh, so we're really excited. We've got customers like Major League Baseball, Daily Motion, KFC. Uh, we just wrapped Y Combinator's Winter 19 batch, so we're really excited to be in that network and just continue growing this this effort in this community.
0: Amazing, amazing, especially the YC stuff. Uh, congratulations on that once again, uh, and also you were mentioned on TechCrunch, right? Which must have been must have been great for you guys.
1: Oh, that was a huge bump in our traffic. We were listed in TechCrunch uh, several times through Q1 of this year, um, both both with the spotlight of Cosmic JS itself kind of as an early batchmate member, but also in the coverage leading up to demo day, we got some great uh, TechCrunch press. And that was really great because it just increased our signups, gave us more opportunities to close new customer teams that were coming through our, our inbound funnel.
0: Would you mind sort of shedding some light on, on how how that happened? Did you get in, uh, in, in touch with TechCrunch through a PR team? Did they, did they happen to find you? What was the story there, if you don't mind explaining that?
1: Sure. This is a, a great positive benefit of being included within the YC network, for sure, uh, in that YC has so many teams built off of their core offering of you know initial funding and guidance for your startup. So now, in addition to ongoing funding programs like the continuity program and the, the series a program and all of those different items. They also have a PR team that's full time that will go and shop your stories for you. And I know that TechCrunch has uh, some element of an exclusivity set up with YC where YC will approach TechCrunch and say, here are the top companies from our next batch. Do you have interest in covering them? And at that point, it's still totally, uh, at TechCrunch's um, um, will to essentially say, yes, we'll publish this. And if they don't, Y Combinator will often syndicate that content over their blog or potentially try to find another technology outlet, publication outlet for you to publish on. So we were introduced to Ron Miller, um, one of the reporters who's been over at TechCrunch for about 15 years, focusing on the content management space. And we went through an interview with, with Ron, and then he ended up writing a great piece for us that YC helped distribute via their social media channels as well.
0: Okay, makes makes a lot of sense, very cool. Okay, before we get into like the, the nitty gritties of your content marketing strategy, which which is underway and we'll get into the details of that. Uh, I'm interested in how long, how long before, how long was it after you established Cosmic JS, after you launched it, did you start content marketing? Was it something that you started slowly but straight away? Or was there a point where you just said, okay now that we've got to a certain point we want to start marketing ourselves because the reason I ask I was speaking to uh, a SaaS founder not long ago and he had sort of put off the idea of content marketing mainly because his reason for me to me was that he wanted to get his sales funnel in, in a certain place he wanted to make sure his cash flow was in a certain place that he wasn't relying on content because he he said that you know content marketing is a is a long-term game right he wanted uh, business sooner. He wanted business this year, in this quarter, or at least next two or three quarters, rather than sort of waiting for content to bring in business in four to five to six quarters time. You know. So I'm interested um, in this position, especially from sort of SaaS companies and, and software companies, because uh, they are in a unique position uh, a little bit. So how long did you guys wait? Was it something you, you sort of gradually started from the beginning, or was there like a, a jump off point where you said now is a good time to start?
1: That's a great question. And I don't know that there was a moment of cognition in terms of starting the content marketing machine other than just falling into it happily kind of by accident. Uh, So we incorporated in May of 2016 and we were not generating great amounts of content uh, all throughout 2016. It was more outbound sales, trying to get the product in front of customer teams that uh, we thought could use it. And essentially what ended up happening was, we, we wrote some tutorials. Um, we were having a hard time demonstrating, okay, you can use this dashboard and API to manage content for all of your websites and apps. That's, that's great to say, but it's better to just show and not tell. So what we started doing was, we started building uh, simple use cases in kind of the bleeding edge uh, programming languages and frameworks, and there was a dynamic content management component uh, via the Cosmic JS API. So we would put those out as kind of just examples, and we started generating inbound traffic. This was probably around the turn of 2016, 2017. And right around that time, some dev blogs like Hacker Noon and others were really starting to pop up, and we got an opportunity to start syndicating content through those various channels. And I'll, I'll never forget, there was kind of an aha moment, at least for me personally, where we, we had just built a, a simple react blog and I was going to put together a four-step tutorial on how to install this application, manage its content, deploy it and have a fully functioning blogging website moving forward. So I wrote this blog called how to build a blog in four steps. And I syndicated that to Hacker noon. And the next day was one of our largest days in traffic history, uh, simply because that was a use case that was really speaking to people. So from there we ended up, Uh, just doing a lot of content marketing, finding more syndication partners, and then grouping like-minded content within our ecosystem together uh, so that we could boost our SEO rankings, our organic rankings. And we've done a lot of gamification around that since, but content marketing really began in earnest at the turn of 2017.
0: Okay, cool. So it's quite an organic sort of journey for you guys, which I think is is probably the way to go rather than sort of purposefully putting off content marketing uh, for the sake of, you know. You have a great point in that any type of
1: community ecosystem play, it's not the two to three-year play, it's more like the four to five or seven to ten-year play. And we've heard that from a lot of various peers and whatnot, but what we had done was, in addition to making our system available for uh, easy integration so that you could demonstrate your use case, we built this thing called the Developer Dashboard. And what the Developer Dashboard allows our users to do is sign up for Cosmic JS, and they can actually get special access to an area of our system where they can contribute apps, extensions, articles, and integrations, in addition to having profile pages. And we will tag them on social media channels when we send out their new tutorials, their new spotlights, all of that good stuff. And it kind of gives them a boost in terms of their credibility, their following on Twitter or LinkedIn or GitHub, and just kind of exposes them to the community. So it was a really exciting day when we had been essentially dog feeding our own platform and our own ecosystem, our own community by hiring developers initially to start that content marketing play. And then we started getting organic submissions, which was a really exciting time for us.
0: Yeah. Okay. Very, very cool. Okay. So let's actually jump into what that content marketing strategy looks like for you guys. So um, you've got the blog going, you've got case studies going, tutorials, documentation, videos. So let's let's talk about the, the blog to begin with. So you've got this developer spotlight thing going on. Could you just talk about, you know, where that idea came from and, and what that sort of involves?
1: Absolutely. That's a, a birth of my technical co-founder and our CEO, Tony Spiro. Uh, He had set up the first format for developer spotlights. And really, it centers around our thesis of the developer as hero within an organization. So uh, right around this time in in 2019, you're seeing a lot of developers and technical staff that are not only working with marketing, they're working with data or accounting or, or various other departments. They're also getting a say in the technology purchasing decisions that they're going to actually be working in more and more developers are sourcing uh, new systems, new methodologies, new approaches to projects, and then showing that to their marketers, showing that to their content creators and saying, would you be comfortable working in this? So with that developer uh, as hero internally, what happens with us is we get a lot of signups internally at corporate enterprises and agencies and and various companies. And that first signup is typically always the developer hero. And they come to us and they say, We have a project, I need to build a proof of concept, I need to extend this trial on this bucket, and I need to go sell this internally. Can you help equip me with everything that I need to be effective at that at that cause? And so immediately they become our internal champion and kind of our, our bottom up beachhead developer approach. So what we like to do is We like to show that uh, we feel that way, we think about developers that way, and really kind of give back to the developer community by showcasing developers that have inspired us, um, be it developers in our own community or perhaps developers that are uh, doing other great things. Like we've had uh, developer spotlights with Quincy Larson, a free code camp. Uh, We interviewed Jason Langstorff, the head DevRel at Gatsby, which is a really kind of bleeding edge React static site generator. Um, One of our most prolific and successful developer spotlights was actually with Emma Wettekind, who is a a dev influencer based out of Germany, who works as a software engineer for LogMeIn. And uh, the numbers that we would see surrounding some of these dev influencers and these spotlights were just incredible. Like we we tweeted out Emma Wettekind's developer spotlight, and I believe that the tweet itself had a thousand click throughs to the article. So some of these... Some of these uh, topical uh, developer spotlights can really sell to the developer community as a whole.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it's genius from two angles, right? Firstly, because you're not just looking internally. So a, a lot of a lot of companies would look at this strategy and say, "Yeah, let's let's put a spotlight on our own developers, our own community only." But you guys have actually gone outside of your of your company and sort of got stories from elsewhere, and that's genius because it shows that you care about the developer community as a whole, not just your own developer community. Uh, and also, you know, as you've probably seen from traffic stats, it, if you're mentioning, you know, if you're sort of a, you've got a spotlight on the, the lead developer at LogMeIn or Gatsby, then it means you're going to siphon off some of their traffic from their blogs and their, and their social media because obviously they're going to share it. So it's a genius one. Um, and it's, yeah, I, I really, it stood out to me when I saw it and I, I saw that it wasn't just your own community being involved. I thought it was great. Uh, in terms of you know looking back internally, case studies is another thing that you guys uh, are big on. You've got quite a few case studies on your on your website. Um, what's the biggest obstacle for you when it comes to creating case studies? Because um, typically, especially for software vendors working with big companies and, and big brands, they have a lot of red tape. Obviously, there's a, a, a lot of difficulty around actually getting approval for these things. Do you have any sort of uh, tips and tricks on sort of how to get around that, or you know how to just sort of uh, anyway?
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of the necessary evil, right? Because initially when you're starting out and there's not a single case study present on the website, uh, potential users that sign up, they, in their minds, they have to take more of a gamble on your system because there's not that credibility or validation of seeing other, you know, Fortune 500 brands that are currently using the system. Um, At the same time, we wanted to be able to demonstrate in-depth use cases of you know, these various companies using the system to combine the efforts of multiple teams in their building to accomplish a a common goal. So the case study started out uh, fairly slowly and it was basically just, you know, me getting into our case study section and drafting a new case study preview. So once a new customer would come in, build out their proof of concept, you know, launch their website, start paying for the system, Basically, we would group all of their users together in an account, and then I would just kind of reach out blindly to them and say, hey, I've generated a case study uh, based off of your use of our system. Would love it if you would take a look at this draft preview and let me know if you have feedback, if you're willing to participate, like this is something that we could work off of. And so slowly but surely, I would say probably 20, 25% of our initial customers that we were signing over the first year and two years uh, we're participating in case studies. Obviously, some of the largest customers were not due to security compliance, you know, red tape bureaucracy. Uh, but keep in mind that we're fighting that not only on the, the content marketing side, but also just on the procurement side. So trying to get some of these customers across the finish line, uh, you know, we've taken procurement from a year to a month. And then, you know, the, the promise of a case study is, is to come thereafter. The other biggest challenge with case studies when you're landing some of the larger customers is, you know, they're starting with a bucket of content today and they're gonna build some reusable components and they're gonna get this inserted into an application that's set to go live, you know, maybe in Q3 or Q4. And then next year they plan to use those reusable components across 30 other websites. So we see a lot of scaling usage that makes it difficult for some customers to want to talk about what they've built today when they know what's to come tomorrow.
0: Okay, interesting. And it's it's interesting that you said you know you, you you do the case study, you write the case study first, and then you approach them. Right? Uh, an alternative um, strategy that I don't see working very well um, is you know the the, uh, the vendor will approach the, the the client and say, look, we want to do a case study on you. What do you think? And then it takes a week to get that response and they'll say, okay, here's an outline of what we think we may want to discuss. Here's this screen. She'll use this screenshot of that screenshot, so on and so forth. And before you know it, six months have passed and nothing, nothing's actually done and they've rejected this idea and that idea. Whereas if you go to them with, you know, the complete document, you can say, look, this is what I've done based on you know, what, we, what we've seen from you guys and based on the data we have to hand. And then that sort of puts them in a position where it's like, okay, we can give feedback and you know, it's pretty much been done, you know? And I think you'll find that, I think you guys have found that, you know, it's a lot easier to get that across the line.
1: You hit the nail on the head. That's 100% correct. Because we've tried it both ways. We've tried it many ways. And we we hit 100% whenever we hit the draft, whenever we send over the draft preview of the case study, kind of already fleshed out, showing that we have an understanding of, you know, the types of content that they're managing and on what type of team collaboration basis so you're 100% with that. It's never converted when I've just asked, will you please participate in a case study with us with no <laughs> yeah. resources already attached to the female?
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. Okay, moving on to the uh, tutorials and, and documentation. So I know you guys recently uh, launched your new documentation uh, site or microsite, whatever you want to call it, and the, the, the first thing that sort of jumped out at me was how clean and, and uh, usable you know the UI was. It was really it looked like a, a really nice, fresh, crisp app, right? Whereas uh, some other software companies, that, that their, their documentation is very much, you know, quite raw in terms of uh, not just the content itself, but, you know, u- sort of user interface is just quite raw and, you know, unkept. And maybe it looks like they, they, they built that sort of microsite seven years ago and they didn't really look at it again. So um, I wanted to sort of touch on why you guys felt it was important and necessary to, to make it an enjoyable experience to actually read that documentation rather than just sort of splurging all that content out there in any way, shape, or form.
1: Yeah, no, the docs are a great story that I, I really enjoy telling because it kind of combines several of the items that we've already been discussing. Um, so first of all, within the developer space, if you have a product that uh, is trying to attract developers first, documentation is key. Uh, that's just a that's a feature. That's a project requirement that we routinely see is not only the ability to localize content, have webhooks, and automatic backups, revision history, but just is the API clearly documented? Can I go and have a robust search to get to the type of feature set that I'm looking to pinpoint within this documentation? And so we were on version two of our documentation up until recently. And as part of my developer spotlight outreach uh, through Twitter, actually, I had Twitter DMs a gentleman over in DC by the name of Ben Hong who is a core Vue.js team member, and um, one of the founders of VuePress, a new Vue static site generator um, that just really provides some awesome resources for its user base. And so we had started a relationship with Ben talking about, well, hey, let's do a use case um, showing how Cosmic can help manage content for a VuePress website. And so he had come back to us and initially said, hey, we're going to do a little bit more work on VuePress. Let's keep all of these conversations going because I think there's a way that we could collaborate together in the future. And what ended up happening was we hired Ben to redo our documentation in ViewPress. And now the developer spotlight that we'll produce as a follow-up in the coming weeks will center around the project that he's already executed with us and how Cosmic is benefiting from using Vue.js and Vue.press so that it's more actionable for his communities and his following. So we're trying to be smart about really bringing in VIP developers that are, are well-versed in a particular system or maybe they've, you know, they're have they a core team member of a particular framework or programming language. Let's just go ahead and do something with them so that we can demonstrate like this isn't just a blind interview. We've actually worked together and go check out our docs, which run on VuePress, and see what a great experience they are. So really excited about kind of almost getting two birds with one stone um, in terms of that developer spotlight outreach and using it as a way to get new customers, get new freelance help, uh, you know, developers in our community, et cetera.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree as well with the uh, documentation being basically another feature, right? And I think all all developers would agree with that. Um, moving on to sort of events and conferences. So you mentioned that events and conferences play, play a big role in, in your marketing. Is that by hosting small events and the conferences or by, or by attending larger ones? How does that work for you guys?
1: So they haven't played a huge role thus far. They need to play a larger role moving forward. We've experimented with several different uh, types of strategies here. So we've been featured as speakers for ReactJS Dallas, uh, one of the largest meetups in the DFW market uh, for React and Node and Vue and Angular developers, um, we have a, a bunch of different sister companies. Like Netlify has a, a, a lead developer that sits in Dallas that is pretty instrumental in that group. So we've been featured as like the keynote speakers. Um, and filmed that and syndicated that through our various content syndication partners, Hacker Noon, dev blogs, et cetera. We've also hosted our own. And what we've learned is that um, we're going to be starting an ambassador program of sorts nationwide that basically allows people to um, host Cosmic JS meetups uh, with a kind of a cluster in a cluster of uh, Cosmic um, – Uh, forgive me, like in an area where there's a lot of Cosmic JS users clustered that would want to get out and network. And that would come with like a sponsorship and a swag kit and some general instructions to follow. What we found as co-founders of the startup is that it has not been too beneficial for our time to actually plan, manage, and host our own events, uh, soup to nuts. But we have always been looking for in-kind opportunities uh, for speaking engagements, for Tutorials so we've done everything from emberjs meetups to react js meetups um, and once we were out in San Francisco for Y Combinator we were doing a lot of events out there as well just from a general networking perspective but what we found uh, our sweet spot is is when we are featured on either a panel or we're giving a keynote to a group of developers that we can uh, film, then we can make Uh, follow-up actionable blogs both with text and video component to kind of highlight the event and what we found is that the dev blogs really enjoy kind of these recaps um, to kind of demonstrate you know a day in the life of a dev doing x so it's been really beneficial for us for us from that perspective.
0: Okay interesting so you also mentioned to me before the call um, you know your focus on on community and and your ambition to grow your community and you mentioned just then you know sister uh, sister companies that you have um is that playing a role in, in building that community is that one of your strategies of building a community by having by partnering up with with companies similar to yours and attending these conferences in, in partnership with them or or you know i'm also interested in in uh where your community lives right so when you when you say community is that uh, an email list is that people who you meet every year at these events on an annual basis and you catch up Um, You know, is there a a forum somewhere, uh, intranet somewhere, extranet somewhere? I'm interested to to sort of uh, get an insight into the CosmicJS community.
1: Yeah, so the community, it's interesting. Is there a concise place that the community lives? Yes, we have a community tab on CosmicJS.com, and all of the community members have profile pages. Um, Within those profile pages, you can get their contact information, their profile pic, all of the starred applications, extensions, integrations, and articles that they've enjoyed within the Cosmic community. And you can basically follow down that rabbit hole to see all the apps that they've built. Um, We have a Slack channel, we have an email list, we have Facebook and Twitter groups that we keep these community members in. Um, As far as partnering with the uh, the sister organizations, kind of like what you were referring to a, a minute ago, with, with Cosmic JS, the whole benefit of using a headless CMS is that your content is portable, scalable, and flexible. And your content should outlast your UI. You should be able to take it with you when you're done. And so a big part of what we provide with the docs, with the use cases, with what we're demonstrating at these events and conferences, are the API tools and resources that make it really easy to bring your own front end and manage content via the Cosmic JS dashboard. So what that looks like is uh, for Netlify, for instance, they do a lot of uh, continuous uh, automated deployment for static JAMstack websites. We've made it really easy through tutorials, actual features within our dashboard to deploy apps using Netlify. And um, we always write that into all of our tutorials and it kind of gives Netlify... Uh, An interested stake in what we're doing because we're helping their community by showing more ways, more tools that people can use to ultimately end up on the Netlify platform. Uh, The same thing goes for Gatsby. So we built a Gatsby source plugin um, probably within the last year or two. And as a result of that, we we formed a relationship with Gatsby with Kyle Matthews, their original founder and CEO, and now uh, with their DevRel team and their CMO. And what we've been able to do is produce a bunch of different Gatsby starters, and uh, like localization starter, e-commerce starter, uh, a Gatsby source plugin blog starter, and they've actually been able to take all of those, those repos and those starter applications, and they have community ecosystems that we're able to link those in through pull requests. So we get a lot of traffic from these sister organizations where we're just simply demonstrating, hey, here's a, a headless CMS that pairs well with your static React website uh, made available through Gatsby. And so the more resources that we pile on there, the more the more valuable we become to these partners and the more prone they are to wanting to do paired programming sessions with us. Uh, so we've done a paired programming session with Jason Langsdorf, the head DevRel of Gatsby um, on Twitch. And some of those live streams that Jason puts out will get hundreds if not thousands of live viewers that are you know, primed and ready to start building applications with Gatsby. And then when we have the follow-up resources of you know, hey, go take a look at this video that we already produced um, on how to do this particular use case, or here's a tutorial and follow-up. It kind of just brings that 360 approach where the paired programming session becomes kind of the, uh, the business development, and then your sales collateral become your documentation, your case studies, your tutorials, just kind of tidying up all the loose ends around, how do I enact this use case using these new frameworks?
0: That's so interesting and, and so cool that, that specifically you mentioned Twitch there. Um, I actually wrote wrote about um, how companies can start c- companies can start using Twitch uh, as a marketing tool. It's very interesting you guys have have begun that. Um, <laughs> I'm interested to know if you guys are taking like a fortnight break in between these things and just uh, playing some games on there. But um, <laughs> you did mention a couple. You did mention Twitch and 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 Twitter and, and Slack at one point. So I'm interested, what, what social channels are working best for you guys? Which ones are you focusing on most right now?
1: So we have a presence on, I would say, the majority of them. We're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Slack. I'm trying to think about what else we have. Uh, we have a bunch of different community sections and then we have a presence on dev blogs like Dev2, Hacker Noon, Hashnode, CodeMentor, and a couple of others so what i'll say in terms of ranking the social media channels that we utilize for anything developer or technology related i think that twitter from like a new eyeball standpoint is always going to be your best bet so we we post a lot to twitter we try to post new content two or three times a day uh, at least five or six days a week to twitter and we generally get a pretty big following from that. We'll get a lot of click-throughs and engagement as far as that goes. Um, we're using Reddit to post all of the new content that we're generating, uh, especially when it's syndicated out on the dev blogs. And that gives us a, a nice little bump in traffic. Um, Instagram is largely kind of brochureware. It's It's kind of just a, um, we need to have a presence there, almost a uh, stake out our claim. Uh, but there's not... We don't get a whole lot of click-through uh, from Instagram, but we do get a lot of great engagement, and people enjoy seeing the posts and the shout-outs for new developers and new apps and things like that. Um, Facebook, Facebook does okay. We have several hundred people that follow and like all of our posts. Um, Facebook has kind of become, you know, the labyrinth, the necessary evil, uh, the nexus of evil for uh, for most of us, but. At the same time, it's definitely just the network that we, we need to have inclusion within. Um, and then I would say that LinkedIn, uh, normally we do all of our company updates to LinkedIn, but we're also posting tutorials. And LinkedIn is pretty invaluable for webinar responses. So if we have an upcoming webinar that we're looking to promote, especially less to the developer community and maybe more to the marketing and creative side of the organization linkedin can be a pretty invaluable resource um and then in terms of like just general updates and uh, collaboration slack is is really key so we have a general slack channel that has hundreds of uh, expert cosmic js users uh, that you know come in and uh, they, they talk shop they ask questions they you know, introduce new projects that they've been working on. We debut new feature rollouts to the general Slack channel. And then we have a, a myriad of other Slack channels within the Cosmic JS main Slack channel uh, for, you know, community VIP members, um, upvotes, new content that's being produced, etc. cetera. So I would say that that's, you know, we have a YouTube channel. Um, we, we have not done as much with video as we're hoping to do in the future, um, that's definitely something that we're hoping to capitalize on more. Um, but And then in terms of uh, the actual CosmicJS.com ecosystem, uh, we have our community section, our connect section, and our contribute section, which basically just provides jump-offs to all of the other developers in the community, what they've been building. We have a robust apps marketplace with over 100-plus open-source example applications built in, React, Node, Vue, Angular, Gatsby, GraphQL, Serverless, that people are able to go pull down off of the shelf. So all of those items are kind of working in collaboration with one another to uh, ultimately just try to produce the largest number of unique visitors possible, uh, knowing that because we're playing the community uh, ecosystem play, that all of those unique visitor counts are kind of latent MRR that we hope to sign over the next several months.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, very, very cool. Definitely got the the omnichannel stuff going on there. Lots of different channels all working together very nicely. (laughs) I like it, I do like it. Um, Cool, so what's the future hold for you guys and and the the content marketing strategy? What's the next step? Where are you looking to expand? What's worked best so far and you're looking to sort of scale it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that the simple answer is we're looking to double down on what's worked thus far which is definitely finding young, talented developers to go out and build new use cases, write developer spotlights about them, have new customers come into the fold as a result of these great resources and client libraries and source plugins, and then writing case studies about those customers. Um, What I'd like to see in the future is uh, more of a white-glove managed uh, head developer relations expert that's managing the pipeline of contributors uh, because we have uh, you know, an entire community of paid freelancers as well as organic kind of just free submission uh, freelancers that come in and they wanna get a free bucket, they wanna get a new t-shirt, a piece of swag. I need somebody that is basically running code review and building a priority ladder for the use cases to be demonstrated next. And then thereafter, um, once we have that person in place and we have several new applications and extensions and integrations on a weekly basis, and we're hitting our unique visitors goals. Uh, Better syndication of content thereafter, so uh, we'd like to have more design help to make our design aesthetics for the thumbnails, the code snippets, the uh, actual app creative itself, more premium, but then also uh, in our distribution efforts, we'd like to incorporate more video, more podcasts, we'd like to be at more events and conferences, we'd like to just get a little bit more rowdy, proud and loud. And ultimately, that comes with, um, you know, the increased revenue that we're starting to experience as a result of the community play working out. And just the general, like every day that a new community member comes in, we'll get a call that, you know, we have a new source plugin or client library that's now available to the rest of our community as a result of what they were seeing in the market and they needed built. So doubling down, making everything a little bit more professional and tight, and also really understanding where the market is going, understanding what these sister companies are doing, like with Gatsby, with Gatsby Preview, you know, what does that look like in terms of uh, us producing a use case that's not only, um, you know, collaborative in effort, but also timely, because a lot of these uh, developer updates are news in and of themselves. So... How can we be more timely, topical, and relevant uh, surrounding what's going on in pop culture or in the developer space? Uh, a great example of this was Are, are you familiar with um, the Fire Festival fiasco?
0: <laughs> yeah, yes, I am, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, right around the time that those uh, documentaries dropped on Netflix and Hulu, uh, we built a Fire Starter app, which was basically just the obnoxious uh, marketing deck that you could click through with all content managed by a Cosmic JS. but it was a spoof on kind of all of the, uh, the marketing terms that had been used for magnesis in the documentary. And that got a lot of clicks just because nobody actually wanted to use it as a production application, but it was timely and relevant and got them into the product. So it did its job.
0: Very, very cool. I like that. (laughs) That That's very interesting. Cool. Is there anything that we didn't discuss about your content strategy that that you you want to discuss? I think we touched on everything, but I just want to put it out there in case we've missed something out.
1: No, I I just think that we want to continue growing, becoming more professional in our approach, Uh, you know, getting more exposure channels, uh, finding new dev blogs to syndicate content to, to work with, and uh, really just tapping into more developer communities Um, And looking for organizations like Girls Who Code, View Vixens, and other kind of underserved communities that we can do in-kind opportunities with to help kind of better democratize web development and help new developers understand there's an easier way to manage content. Uh, It doesn't require installing a cms system hosting your own server you can just go directly into the cloud model content and have it delivered to your website or application and really just speed up the process for everyone involved
0: yeah okay excellent so are you ready for a quick fire round i am okay so let's start with uh, what's your favorite social network right now i would say twitter okay interesting is that for personal use or like uh, for business use as well
1: Yes, yes to both. Um, I feel like Twitter, I, I'm big into golf and current events and news and technology. So from, from a, a timeliness perspective, uh, Twitter is you know the most ear-to-the-ground social network you could ever find. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be quicker than your local news, the national news, uh, for all of the topics that I just mentioned. So uh, just doing a, having a honed uh, follower list and a following list, that really kind of dictates the types of information that's coming at me on a daily basis is, is really helpful. Um, so I would say that Twitter from the technology and the news perspective is number one, uh, from a personal perspective, I would say Instagram is still kind of, you know, every millennial's favorite option for posting pictures and, and talking to friends.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is interesting. I mean, Twitter used to be my, you know, I used to spend ninety percent of my social media time on Twitter, right? And over the last month or two, I've sort of um, shifted to Reddit. And you mentioned Reddit earlier on. And Reddit is is not as ear to the ground. It's not not as not as quick off the mark, anyway, as Twitter. But uh, I, I find it maybe second second to the to the mark, and then they go a bit more nuanced. Not not, not to say that you don't you don't get um, sort of crazy ideas and crazy comments on Reddit. You definitely do, but. I feel like it's a place to sort of go a bit deeper and and explore different things a little bit easier than Twitter, but Twitter has historically been my go to, but Reddit is definitely creeping up on me some somehow. Um, And Instagram as well. I mean, I know you're, you're, you're active on Instagram, both the cosmic JS handle and and the Carson Gibbons handle. Do you see, you know, your personal brand um, sort of playing a role here, or is Instagram just sort of something that you do mainly because you enjoy it and not necessarily because you're looking to promote anything?
1: I would say that uh, Instagram is largely a personal brand, but I definitely am not shy to post Cosmic JS-related content either to my story or to my feed, simply because uh, us co-founders have been in the marketing, creative, interactive advertising space for so many years, that our networks are agency account executives and agency developers and in-house developers. Um, so it really kind of helps keep um, our personal networks informed, knowing that our personal networks we're looking to sell to as well because they're decision makers in these various capacities as well. So I think that um, I think that cross-promotion does go a long way, and it, it's sometimes hard to understand where the line between personal and professional ends whenever you're kind of in a co-founder of a startup-type situation uh, because it really is – kind of the the resilience and the will of the co-founders that will make the product succeed. And uh, the more opportunities that we have to speak to users and iterate on the product and make it better, um, the better it's going to be for us moving forward. So I think the Instagram is just kind of um, the the sum of the parts. I think that it's a a piece of the strategy and we're going to continue to utilize that and try to optimize it. Um, But I don't see a huge bump from my own personal uh, following but I do post on my own personal Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram channels, everything Cosmic JS related, and uh, it's great from just a support angle as well.
0: Interesting, interesting. Okay, next question is, whose content are you consuming the most right now? And that could be a book you're reading, something you're following on Twitter, wherever it, wherever it may be.
1: That's a great question. Um, I read a lot of dev too, the practical Dev. That uh, blog. Okay. Um, okay. I am a big fan on the podcast side of things of the Joe Rogan Experience, of course. Okay. Um, I okay. think that he has some of the best guests in the world and really kind of um, throws a lot of suppositions out the door whenever the the podcast begins. So I consume a lot of that. Um, I consume a lot of faster. Um, so Jason Jason Lemkin's uh, mega, mega blog and um, organization at this point. We got to go to Saster, uh in Q1 when we were out in the Bay Area for Y Combinator. And that was probably the most well-run, uh, the most well-run convention I've ever been to. So a lot of respect out to Jason and his team, but they have a lot of targeted content for people that are in my stage of, of MRR and startup. So that's been really helpful uh, from that perspective. And then... Uh, a little bit of launch with Jason Calcanis. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to think about what else. Just all of your normal like, kind of news and current events outlets, and then obviously all of your technology uh, focused ones as well. And then I, I watch all of our partner organizations like a hawk on all of their social media channels, their blogs, their you know, change logs, all of that good stuff as well.
0: Okay. Interesting. Okay. And final question is: What's your one tip for content marketers, uh, and specifically, you know, SaaS companies and 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 startup software companies who you know may may maybe today in a position that Cosmic JS was in uh, two years ago?
1: Absolutely. Just get started. I mean, I really do think that we iterated um, into the position that we're currently in. I, I go back and read blogs that I wrote two years ago. And I absolutely cringe. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you iterate so much just based on the analytics that you're seeing. So I remember I wrote 20 blogs in a particular series just because the headline, the format and the general flow really worked from like a, uh, a viewer perspective and a comments perspective. So uh, this story over here got 500 hits. And one comment, but over here, this story got 20,000 hits, 50 comments, a bunch of signups. So I'm going to write more of the second type of story. So really just iterating, building, measuring, learning on that content marketing process is totally key because not only are you trying to generate as much content as possible that's relevant to your user and make it quality, but then – with your SEO and your organic rankings you're going to want to be able to group all of that content into like-minded sections within your ecosystem your community for easy wayfinding and signage and that's been one of the cool things that we've been able to do to kind of optimize our SEO moving forward was all of our app detail pages and blog detail pages used to just kind of end with You know a button to start your free trial for instance and now what we do is we have a you may also like section and it's a link off to other similar applications or tutorials and so what we're seeing is a a much lower bounce rate from a lot of these sections that before just didn't have enough content to support them so I would say just get started and the second tip would be just to be genuine I had a lot of success approaching these dev influencers and simply saying like, hey, we respect what you're doing. This is what we're doing. This is my ask of you. And I really just would love to showcase your talents and skills for our community who are extremely aspirational in nature. And if you just approach people in a genuine way and try to add value to what they're working on, you're gonna be surprised at the results that you get.
0: Absolutely, those are some great tips. What's the best way for listeners to reach out to you? Uh, is it your Instagram or Twitter? How can people reach you if they want to?
1: Absolutely. I'm on Twitter at Carson C. Gibbons. And my Instagram is Carson Gibbons, G-I-B-B-O-N-S. Um, I'm always available at Carson at CosmicJS.com. And you can even go see my profile page at CosmicJS.com slash Carson Gibbons. And uh, you'll be able to easily find anything off of main URL, in terms of community, social channels, and all of those good items so that we can get a, a hold of one another. But yeah, just reach out Carson at cosmicjs.com.
0: Excellent, Carson, you've been great. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely, thanks for having me, Kaya. Thank you. Guys, thank you for listening to Content and Caffeine. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to share it with your friends and your colleagues. And please remember to rate and review us on iTunes or whichever app you're listening to us on. If you're looking for show notes, head over to wordify.co forward slash podcast. And I'll see you again next week.